Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 303 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Getting up there, man. It's crazy to think of this show's legacy and all the hosts we had and all the things that have changed. But anyway, as you can already tell by my intro, it's only I this week and this episode is about to be probably the weirdest ham radio of all time because as i record this i'm looking at my computer clock right now it's 1:57 a.m i am a night owl through and through i do my best thinking at night i do some of my best work at night i come up with my best ideas at night this is just always how i've been wired and so i've been looking at my schedule and this week was of course mother's day it was my brother's birthday it was my girlfriend's birthday And I am perfectly thrilled to celebrate all of them. But of course, we also have Mass Effect on top of that. I had to get my preview out. We had to get coverage ready for this weekend where we're going to have another Mass Effect video. Um, As well as I'm thinking a Baldur's Gate review is going to drop unless something changes and there's something more immediate that needs to take place. Um, But yeah, this was a pretty busy week for me where this was my opening. Being able to take some time to celebrate, breathe a little bit. This is my opening, and I know it may sound strange, but I was kind of oddly looking forward to it. Uh, I was looking forward to just having a late-night podcast. You know, the house is dead quiet. The dogs are asleep. Everything's nice and relaxed here. Um, I originally was just going to cancel this week's episode, but I don't think it's fair that when my schedule gets hectic and we tried to record on Thursday, uh, Dustin does Sacred Symbols, so he was not available. Carrick wasn't available. And then I thought about Saturday, uh, but Dustin wasn't available later in the day. Um, It would have been better earlier. And by the time I would have gotten home Saturday, because like I said, I'm going to be celebrating my girlfriend's birthday. um, At that point in time, I would have thought it's too late. I would have been zapped. And I want to give you all a good show. And I know I'm capable of giving that to you here at 2 in the morning. Uh, So trust me on that. You'll see. The product speaks for itself. Trust me. but I just didn't think it was fair that the audience had to suffer and suffer is probably extreme. I'm sure you'll all live just fine. <laughs> that That's ridiculous to say. I didn't want the audience to uh, miss an episode, though. Uh, I know a lot of you like these solo episodes. I've been trying to make them less frequent because I want them to be a special thing when they do pop up. Um, you can usually tell by the length of the show. This one, of course, given the time, will probably run about an hour. We're going to try to be conscious of uh, the sleep a little bit this time around. Um but yeah, I, I wanted to, to give you all a solo show. I didn't want to just leave. We've had such a long streak for this show. Um, but I understand that with uh, Ham Radio, you know, there have been sometimes characters missing, Dustin's missing, I was missing. Um, this has just been a really fucking hectic year, man. It has been pretty wild when I really look back on it. Um, and really, the only other week that's going to be an issue, I'm just saying up front, is going to be the weekend of the 28th. I have a wedding to go to. 
everything's landing on a Friday all of a sudden, which has not happened in the last like four years of my life. Um, but yeah, so uh, that that's going to be happening then. We'll figure something out, whether we record earlier or Carrick and Dustin want to handle it. I always leave it up to them because they do this show for free. And granted, we're close friends, but I never want them to make them feel like they have to do it. I want them to want to do it. Um, so there's a chance that may be a solo episode. So I just want to make people aware of it. But with this being the weekend of Mass Effect, this didn't feel like the right weekend to, you know, skip out on an episode, not provide something. Um, I love doing this show. I love podcasting. I think it's some of the best content I've really invested my time into. Um, and kind of the dream is moving forward, like podcasting in my original content with some new stuff scattered in there. That's sort of the idea there. So we're kind of like a third of the way. We have a lot of established shows that are doing well. And I'm, I'm really uh, excited to, to keep doing this. So I hope you all enjoy this solo episode. I think it's going to be a good one. We'll probably get philosophical at some point. I just can't help myself. I don't know. I'm not a philosopher, but I can't help but get deep at this time of night. How couldn't you? Uh, I was just, yeah, doing some self-reflecting, and I was looking at the schedule, and I thought, hey, let's do it. Let's do this show. So that's enough for the intro. Most of you are here for video games, I imagine, and uh, certainly I'd love to talk some games. That's what's uh, that's what's the jam these days. Uh, so what have we been playing, or what have I been playing, really? Uh, a lot of games. Of course, Mass Effect will have our own extended thoughts conversation on that in just a little bit, but... I like to highlight everything I've been playing throughout the week just because I'm such a freakazoid. Uh, I play so many different games. I love so many different games. And now that the channel's growing and I'm able to just express all of that taste I have, <laughs> it's been really nice to uh, see how many uh, uh, how many members of our audience really connect. Uh, so I'm going to test you all right now. These two games came in. For those of you not watching the video version, we have Mega Man Star Force. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, the, the, the mirror camera threw me off for those who are watching on video. Uh, Mega Man Star Force Pegasus and Mega Man Star Force 2 Zerker X Ninja. Uh, these were the kind of sequel series on the Nintendo DS to the Mega Man Battle Network series that I love so much. Uh, I actually never have played these before, and I am so excited to dive into them. So these are my latest cops. Uh, I'm very, very pumped about them. Not cheap games, by the way. Uh, about like a hundred bucks each. I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold myself accountable here. It's a maniac move. All right. I, I understand. You're, you're like Maddie. What's the fuck, bro? Like, get some help. I know. We're working on that. But, uh, you know, just I adore Mega Man more than I really let on. A really important series for me. I've gotten nostalgic over the last year. I think just because of what's happened with the pandemic and stuff, I think I just yearn for a more comforting time, as we all do. And, you know, fortunately, we're starting to come out of this thing a little bit. And so hopefully things will return to normal. But I've, I've always been a nostalgic guy, but definitely more so recently. So getting Mega Man back in my DNA um, has been really integral to, uh, to, to some of my happiness. Um, and so that's one of the first games I wanted to talk about that I've been playing. I've been playing Mega Man Zero. So this is a sequel series to Mega Man X. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm more of an X guy. Uh, I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't like him. I like all Mega Man shit. I'm going to be real. Like, I'm just a, a Mega Man shell. But, uh, when it comes to the original Mega Man series on like NES and stuff, the Legacy Collection, as I'm sure some people who got into it late know it as, um, that series is, it's good. Uh, but it doesn't light my fire like X does. And I think it's because X takes itself a little bit more seriously. There's the body upgrades. Um, the lore there is interesting. They expanded upon it a lot more. 
it's also the one that received the least attention. They stopped at X8. They did Mega Man 11, um, but they, they never did like an X9. Um, they even, I don't know if anyone knew this, they had a uh, XRP, uh, FPS. Um, it was just called X at the time. Or I think X Maverick Hunter, something like that. And uh, it was, look it up. There's gameplay online. I think Polygon put it up. It's literally Doom, but Mega Man. It's it's so painful to watch because it's canceled. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mega Man Zero. Back to that. Uh, this is the sequel to Mega Man X. And uh, it's tough as nails, man. I mean, they added in this game Save Assist. So if you play it on the Game Boy Advance or if you play like ZX Advent on the DS, they didn't have like an autosave on the level. And some of these bosses maybe want to scream. Uh, I've just been playing the the first Mega Man Zero. There's six games on this collection. Uh, but oh man, let me tell you what. <laughs> let me tell you what. This game's tough and it will beat you into the dirt and make you cry. Uh, so, yeah, th- fortunately in this remaster collection, they added, uh, save assist, so when you die, uh, you'll kind of, it's a checkpoint, pretty much, and it's made it a lot more tolerable, but I, I, every time I died consistently at bosses, I thought to myself, there was a time I and many others played these games and suffered through repeating these incredibly difficult levels on top of the even more difficult bosses, um, when you get to some of X's protectors, oh my gosh, the, these pieces of shit I just, I have a personal vendetta against them. Uh, it, it gave me that feeling I got, we have a video on the channel, uh, I think it's called like my greatest victory for those who want to do a little Matty lore dive. Uh, and it's a bloodborne video and it's me in the chalice dungeons, um, because I was stuck on this boss and at the time. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. My voice is already getting dry. At the time, uh, this boss was just... It, it was just making me its bitch. Uh, it was the Blood-Starved Beast, but in the Chalice Dungeon, the the arena you're in is much smaller, so he'll just run you over. He'll one-hit you. They have your health. Like, it's terrible. Between that and I think it's like Muspelheim or whatever, I, that's not it. It's the one that's in God of War that's, like, procedurally generated. I don't know what it is with PlayStation making these ass procedurally generated dungeons that you need to do for the Platinum, but they need to stop. Two is enough. Uh, even if those are spread out amongst three years, that's enough. But, um, yeah, last time I, uh, I I had a moment where I was like, fuck you, like, like violently to the TV uh, was when I was playing Bloodborne. And I kind of had that with Mega Man Zero after beating one of the bosses. I was just like... You would have thought I just knocked this guy out clean. Like, I actually had a moment in real life where I was looking cool. Uh, yeah, th- this game I love, but it tilts me. That's for damn sure. Uh, next on the list, we're going to have, uh, like I said, a review out this weekend. And if, like I said, something were to change, this is kind of like one of those videos where I can move it around to wherever. Uh, we've been playing Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. This got a 4K re-release. Um, and I am not impressed for the $30 price tag. Uh, it looks beautiful for what it is like a PS2 game, sharpened up new character models or sharpened up character models, improved textures. The menus look great. Uh, but the audio is terrible. There's no online co-op. They just kind of left couch co-op. Um, the trophy list is like a joke. I I mean, and when I say a joke, I don't mean to say it's just bad. I feel like someone legitimately made it and went, huh, Matt's going to be pissed about this. We're going to get him good. Like, I really felt like someone was attacking me over it. 
and many other people who care about trophies. I'm not your your diehard trophy achievement hunter like I used to be in high school. Um, I, I typically do it as a love letter, but I think for these old games that get re-released, it's almost mandatory you have a full trophy list because when you do, it kind of adds that modern element to your old game. With Dark Alliance, they have five trophies, and four of them are beating the games on respective difficulties. So easy, medium, hard, and then extreme, and then there's something like you clear, and that's it. And I'm like, dude, there's, there's, I say in my review, there's, there's like leveling up, there's builds you could do, beating the game with different classes, loot you could acquire, quests you could complete, like complete five quests. How fucking hard is that? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, especially knowing developers and there's a point system for PlayStation. And that's how they implement achievements or, or sorry, trophies and, and knowing that they just didn't make use of it. Ah, man, man, oh man. Cause like Colin, uh, uh of sacred symbols, had talked about that a little bit. He had said like, yeah, like, I, I mean, look, if Baldur's gate can get five trophies, but, but like Colin's Habroxia two can get like a full trophy list. And so can twin breaker. It's like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, it's up to the developer. They just make these bad lists. It's stupid. It's a point system where, like, you know, a bronze is this much and so on and so forth, and they just don't fully utilize it, and it blows my mind. Uh, last on my list of things I'm playing, Resident Evil Village, probably what I should have started off with because it's, you know, for those of you who are just like, man, what are these games he's talking about? Uh, I should have specified Dark Alliance, uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is a uh, isometric action RPG. Um, we'll be actually talking about be talking about that in just a couple of topics because it's pretty relevant to one of our news bits for this week. Uh, but Resident Evil Village, uh, put about four hours into this so far. Haven't played it since. So if you've listened to Defining Duke, you'll know I said four hours there. Um, haven't played it since. Uh, for those who want my thoughts, uh, I'm liking it. The first hour is bad uh it's just so like disconnected it's not creepy or tense like that's where you're supposed to feel the most vulnerable and it didn't really feel that way i know some people like it because i think this game has some dna from resident evil 4 and i am someone who's never played resident evil 4 so i think a lot of people see the village that you can explore and go like wow this is great uh, there's something about the kind of claustrophobic nature, I think, of the house in Seven that worked really well for me, um, and it felt like it made sense. Whereas the castle, I'm like, where even am I right now? But once you get to the castle, the game upgrades immensely. It's way more fun. Uh, it feels more Resident Evil-y, you know, acquiring all sorts of trinkets and unlocking secret doors and you know making every bullet count. Uh, but what I will say is kind of going back and. Playing all these Resident Evil games, uh, one game that I have not given enough love to is Resident Evil 2 Remake. Wow. What a game. What a game. And I know some people are like, that's such a tired opinion. But as I play these newer ones and um, as I as I really just mull on it and let that game marinate over the years... I think they just nailed the tension right. The level design was amazing. The upgrading, the replayability, the speed runs. Like, it's just such a great game that I definitely, like, in hindsight, I'm like, why wasn't that higher on my list for any type of game of the year talk? I don't know. Because like, I'm, I'm not, like, a diehard Resident Evil fan. Because, as you can tell, I haven't played 4. I fucking love 5, though. Don't worry. Maddie's got good Resident Evil taste. I love 5. 
I love me some five co-op. Or probably, I think my favorite Resident Evil game is five. I'll, I'll go that far to say, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. But I've noticed that a lot of people have Resident Evil hot takes. So maybe that's not too crazy in my opinion. I've seen some people say like seven's their favorite, eight's their favorite. Some people think three is the best, three remake even, which I know didn't get the most glowing reviews. So, uh, hey, look, I think five's amazing. And I've re- I've replayed five eight times. Uh, I mean, that's really not that high of a number, but for me, that's actually, is that an accurate number? Let me think. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was middle school, high school. It's got to be 10 plus actually now because <laughs> I, I just remember I played it with like three more of my buddies who I've met in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I played this 10 plus times somewhere in the 10 to 20 range. So I adore that game, uh, but that does not blind me from enjoying other Resident Evil titles. As I said, I loved Resident Evil 7. I played and beat that three times. Madhouse difficulty was awesome. I loved how they changed the little things with the level. But like I said, the, the, the house kind of clicked with me more. Uh, Village is still great. I kind of like its sense of goofiness. I think it gets in connection with stuff that uh, Resident Evil 7 was really missing because I don't think it was supposed to be a Resident Evil game at first, uh, which is kind of interesting, right? Because it shows what does a Resident... You, like, you could have fooled me, right? Is what I'm more so saying. Because then you start asking yourself, what does a Resident Evil game really need to be called Resident Evil? Does it just need undead monsters, uh, low supplies, and good scares? Like, is that all? And of course, like humanity messing with something to create these creatures. Uh, is that all that's really needed? Uh, with Village, though, like I said, it gets in touch with that more wacky side of things. I don't want to spoil something, but let's just say Ethan is like this. You've probably seen the memes online about the, the first aid uh, medication that he pours on his hand. And let's just say that this thing can even put limbs back together. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, I actually was in a discord call with my buddy. I went, that's so fucking stupid. And he was in the middle of talking about something. So he thought I was talking to him. He's like, what the dude, what? You know, Matt, that's toxic. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just watched a man put his limb back on through, through a drink. Um, yes, it really happened. Uh, so there's wild stuff like that, but then I can't sit here and go Resident Evil five is my favorite. While Chris Redfield, like, punches a boulder into lava to get around the level like resident evil has always had that kind of ridiculous nature to it so i love it for that i accept it for that i will admit though uh it was an adjustment getting the upgrades and stuff that's more resident evil 4 um there's a lot of resident evil 4 dna here that i think people are gonna really dig for me i like it um i'm not done with it yet so i don't want to make a definitive call but i so far like seven more but this is still really strong and i will say as it went on i liked it more and more which is something i didn't experience with seven seven i played loved immediately and loved the whole way through this has been a build-up so because we started so low right i started off and i was like i don't like this like the first hour i was like this is weird because i don't like this i expected this to be a i'm going to like this at minimum but just to say flat out i think this village is dumb I think this pacing is bad. I'm kind of confused at what's happening here. And not like narratively, I meant, but gameplay wise, um, it wants me to go to a specific place and, and get caught in a specific place. I, I, I don't like when games do that because they try to feel open-ended and dynamic, but overall it's like, I'm just trying to get to an objective here. Um, it just didn't scare me. And I'm a very much prime target for scares, by the way, but it has gotten better over time. Not in the scares area. Um, like, Lady Dimitrescu, I don't know, Tres- Tresu, Trescu, I don't know. Her following you around isn't as 
creepy or as tense as Mr. X, but still, when you hear footsteps banging behind you when you're trying to go somewhere and someone yelling, it'll get you going a little bit. You'll, and uh, I should choose my words wisely because there's some sick fucks out there. Uh, what I mean is it'll get you going like you'll get a little bit nervous and you might go, hey, I'm going to die here. I, I may want to get to safety. That's what I meant. All right. Settle down, everyone. All right. Let's get into some more games, technically, that we're playing. Not really in the news yet. Uh, so, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I know some of you want my extended thoughts on this one. Happy to provide them. So, if you have yet to check it out, I have a full preview up on the channel. Really thoroughly breaking everything down. I was really proud of that because I made that at 2 in the morning. Uh, and that, by the way, was just because we got our codes for Mass Effect right as we were recording Defining Duke. Uh, so, that was around like 3 p.m., I finished that. I started downloading everything when I got home. It's 100 gigabyte download. Um, I went on a walk. I had to set something else up for my content. So I started like Tuesday night, grinded it a ton, grinded it all Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think how I did this. Sorry. No, the code didn't come in during Defining Duke. I got it Tuesday. I was working, got home, downloaded it finished up the rest of my work so I could play immediately when I was done. While I was all downloading that 100 gigabytes, I did go on a walk. And then Wednesday was Defining Duke, where that was like a big chunk of my day. Uh, So every spare moment I had was spent on this game, testing, cross-referencing, everything. And so I put like 15 hours into it. Now at this point, after streams and separate idle play uh, accounted for, it's about 20-hour impressions. Um, I fucking love this game series so much, man. Uh, I... I'm stunned. We're really going to focus on Mass Effect 1. We'll talk more about like the changes and whatnot, but I'm just so stunned at how well thought out of a series this is. Um, and I felt that same way with Dragon Age. You know, For those who have been following my content closely, you'll know I've done 2020 slash 2021 reviews for Origins, Dragon Age 2, and Inquisition. Um, and that has been really enjoyable because you start to realize with everything interconnected how much certain lore drops matter and just how talented the writers at Bioware are. Um, and with Mass Effect, it's even more apparent. You know, Drew Carpishan's hand is all over this. Uh, and he did, did did help write KOTOR, one of my favorite games of all time. My favorite game of all time. Sorry, I should choose my words wisely. So, yeah. Um, Mass Effect, when you play the first one, I mean, the way they set things up where it's this grand adventure kind of feeling as you earn your ship and everything you eventually explore the galaxy there is that feeling of where do we go next but there's this also pressing political issue of the humans have kind of just entered this this whole entire new galaxy um and they're and not galaxy but this whole new world in a sense and and they're trying to learn how to live alongside all these alien races they're kind of hesitant about it. Do the humans expand too quickly? Is this dangerous for us based off things that have happened in the past in the lore? And you just start to realize how well thought out a universe Bioware has crafted here. Uh, especially with stuff like councils, specters, quarians, geth, the connections between everything, the reapers, of course, you know, the most famous lines, like what can you tell me about the reapers? Uh, just all of it is so easily digestible where you're like, I get where they're going. I get what's happening here. It's easy to piece together, but there's so much 
It's so dense. Like it's it's interesting because I think that's the telltale sign of an a well written, well designed world is they can kind of give you the spark notes version with the main story where you can get what's happening. You understand who's who, what's what, what's happening. There's something there. There's something meaningful there. Um, there's nuance to it where there's uh, where you can tell political leanings and how certain people feel about certain things like Ashley and certain species, you know, that's less nuance and more just direct. Um, but if you want to dive deeper, you can, you can go into that codex. You can read all those letters and just see the walls of text of years of events that occurred in the mass effect universe that you otherwise wouldn't have known about. So this is the first thing I really wanted to tip my cap to. It's been really refreshing after Andromeda inquisition, even where inquisition, I appreciate a little bit more, but, those two games just don't even hold a candle to what Mass Effect as a trilogy was, and including three, which I think gets a little too much shit. Anthem really fell off, even with Drew Carpenter helping. It's kind of what happens in this industry when we idolize one writer way too much or one person in one position too much. They are just one person. They can have only so much influence. Like Even with Drew Carpenter involved, I don't think... Anthem's story was great. Is it all his fault? No, but could he have brought it to this whole new level? No, in this case, he couldn't. But when a whole team of writers is working together, led by Drew Carpishin, and they're all clicking well, like a KOTOR, I think he did Jane Empire, I'm not sure. Um, like Mass Effect, you can you can feel that. You can, you can see what's happening there. Uh, I'd love to just crawl around his brain one day. Just know what's happening in the, in the head of Drew Carpishin. Uh But anyway... Yeah, just wanted to tip my cap to the writing first and foremost. Um, otherwise, pff, gameplay, we're playing on Insanity right now. We started that up on our stream. It has been um, it has been most excellent. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, I thought it would be more difficult. But we're on Mass Effect 1, and you're able to kind of gimmick the system a little bit. We died three times as of this point in time. So, while we record this, this is, like I said, 2 a.m. Friday. I'm going to do another stream because I really want to. Um, And when we do that, there's a chance I die more. But as it stands, moment of recording this, three deaths. We've explored an uncharted planet. We we took out the uh, biotic cultists. We've gone through some of the Citadel, some of its side quests. We've done, of course, Eden Prime. Um, and, and, and we're staying alive. I really have to say for those of you who want to do insanity or harder difficulties, barrier is busted. I mean, super busted. It's just like, Oh, my shield's out. Here's another free one that can just last and absorb a ton of damage. The kicker is on insanity. They use it. They use barrier pretty liberally and you can just start lighting someone up and go, Oh shit. They're not dying as quickly as I would like. (laughs) So, uh, I'm loving this new challenge though. It's, it's been really nice because when I played mass effect, it's typically been about the conversations, the choices, uh, the questing with gameplay, taking a back seat. And really only in mass effect three, did I care a lot about the action, um, and the gameplay, and even then, it wasn't really tactical. It was just like go forward because I was playing on normal. But now, because we're playing on Insanity, I'm commanding my team more. I'm developing a new affection for this series that I didn't expect because I'm playing it in different ways. Like, I know a lot of people joke saying, I'm going to buy the, the trilogy uh, Legendary Edition. I'm going to make all the same choices. I highly encourage you, don't do that. 
challenge yourself to play in a new way. Challenge yourself to do a different playthrough and try new tools and tricks. Like, explore this unexplored area. That's the beauty of RPGs, man, that I don't think enough people... It's why we get less and less ones with choice and consequence, because people look at the data and go, "This we, we, we made, like, eight different choices here, and only a handful of people saw it through. Try out new builds and new ways to see the game out, you know? And I know that's rich coming from me. I'm playing as a Vanguard, which is one of my favorite go-tos, but I have another playthrough going right now where I'm an adept. And in Mass Effect 3, when I was younger, I played as a soldier. Like, try new builds, you know, try different things. Go full Renegade. I know you're not going to get the ending you want, but do it. It Just do it. You know, that it's fun. Trust me, it's really fun to break that mold and, and do something new. Um, I see way too many people just embracing the idea of, and yeah, of course you play how you want, but if you're like in that comfort zone, these people put so much time into these RPGs for a reason, like explore their choices, explore their hard work, see the other things. That's like the best feeling. I mean, if you've been a long time viewer of my streams, you'll know you've seen me play games that I thought I've played and seen them all and gone, wait, what is this moment here? Dragon Age has happened before. These are all Bioware games, but it's also happened in Bethesda Game Studios games. Like, play them differently. Try it out. Explore different corners of the world. Do the extra quests. You know, it's uh, it's it's an awesome feeling when you have that moment where you think you know everything, even though you've put hundreds of hours in, and you're like, I don't. I've never saw this before. And that's, like, a really cool feeling. Um, so I, I just uh, want to lend my encouragement for that. Oh, God, I spilled some water. Hold on. I'm going to drink some first and then wipe. Ah, God. Whatever. 2.30 in the morning. Who cares? I'm going to go. I'm going to literally get a plop in this bed right behind me afterwards. Who cares how much water I got on me? Whatever. Um, Other extended thoughts on Mass Effect. Gameplay-wise, Mass Effect 1 feels pretty good. Um... There was one change that I didn't note in my preview that a lot of people were hyped about. It's that you can um, you can actually recharge the Mako while moving around. So when you – let's say you're fighting like a Thresher Maw or whatever, um, you can actually um, start repairing the vehicle with the Omni Gel uh, and be moving around. So this was something that was really nice to see, people excited about. Uh, one thing I will say, though, on the side of things that – everyone may not be agreeing on is the visuals more and more i'm seeing people's thoughts i uh i'm feeling that people are gonna be kind of hit or miss on this i think it looks objectively better in most areas but there are certain models and animations that look funky there's new bugs that are introduced through this where i think there are going to be that kind of legion of people who just say go mod the original mass effects and play them that way um, because kind of like what happens with Bethesda Game Studios games, you're going to see modders take a look at what's added in Legendary Edition and kind of bring it to the modding scene. So whatever new hairstyles are there, the default Femship, I'm not sure if that's there in Mass Effect 1. Um, I've never inspected much of the modding scene for Mass Effect. I'm pretty much getting familiarized with it. Um, but I feel like that's what's going to start to happen because I had people literally come in back to back to back on my stream and they're like, Looks the same. Looks amazing. Wow, they changed nothing? Wait, is this the original? Oh, this looks incredible. The lighting. Oh my god, that moment. So, I think it clearly looks different. And if anyone says this is just a graphical upgrade and nothing more, they are lying. 
because there is a ton of new content that's been added, um, changes to that gameplay, changes to how things control. Not all of it perfect. Like I'm um, on the note of that, uh, I, I say this in my uh, things that should be improved in Mass Effect. Um, one thing I noticed was that uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition with Mass Effect 1 doesn't have the ability to like fire off multiple abilities in combat. I know that was poorly worded, by the way. Fucking deal with it. It's late. <laughs> um, but what I mean by that is, let's say I have warp and I have throw. Um, I can't just use them both at the same time and have them equipped. Like You have to use warp, then open up the ability wheel, select throw, then use throw. And it's good right now in insanity where things need to be a little more methodical, a little more tactical would probably be the better word. But with something uh, of a casual player who wants to do easy, normal, whatever, I do think that they may be annoyed by that. Of course, that's a thing in the past once you get to Mass Effect 2 where they're like, why and RB? And I think Mass Effect 3 is RB, LB, and both of them together. So they just keep evolving it more and more. But you may feel some some age uh, and I've, I've warned people of this in my review. I, I think there is some age there um, in Mass Effect 1, but definitely less so than if you went and played the original. Uh, the other thing, I should have said this in the visual part, film grain. I want to emphasize this one, right? I don't want to retread my review too much. I keep calling it review. My preview too much. Um, but the film grain in Mass Effect Legendary Edition has been domed down big time. So if you really like that, it added something to you. Go like going back. Wow, they especially Mass Effect One. Holy fuck, they took a. You can even see it in my video, and that's saying something because YouTube compresses videos. They break them down. They look so much worse than what I'm actually looking at. But even in that, when I say look at the difference in film grain, you can actually see it on YouTube. That's impressive. Like you don't have to download a raw file. You can literally see it on YouTube. I've never really seen that before. So that is a testament to how much they have dumbed down the film grain. For some people, that's great news. Uh, in Mass Effect Legendary Edition, there's literally an option that says turn it on. and Because I went to go look to make sure, and it was on. I thought, wow, so it's on, and it looks like this. And this is Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition. So really, uh, really something that uh, I'll be curious to see how it shakes out with the Mass Effect community. We'll continue to monitor that. Um, otherwise, Mass Effect 2 and 3 haven't put as much hands-on time with them. Um, not because I don't want to or because I didn't even have the time to. Just, you know, that's kind of the um, the interesting nature of being a content creator is I want to make all this content, but I also want to just play the game. And that's why these streams have been fun um, because I'm able to just play through the game. And still be making content. Uh, I can't emphasize how important that is. And it's why um, with the um, the Supercut, which I'm I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty good we're going to hit our Patreon goal right now. Let's do a little Patreon live check-in here. Imagine we like passed our goal while I'm, while I'm sitting here. That'd be kind of wild. All right. So our goal is at $2,000 uh, per month. We're going to start investing in doing uh, – in getting editors and doing um, 
the Mass Effect Legendary Edition Supercut. So we are about 40 bucks away. So I'm pretty confident. I, I believe we will hit this. Um, and when we do, I'm going to take those streams that we're doing and I am going to just shred them up, take all the highlights, all the funny parts, all the bits, throw skits in maybe if I feel it makes sense, um, add in little funny tweaks and edits and all this stuff, out of context clips. And just make it like this definitive, hilarious way to watch Mass Effect. This entertaining. I don't. I don't want to use the word hilarious. Entertaining way to watch Mass Effect. And it's a way that I can provide playthrough content on my channel while making it this more original thing. You all know, like that's kind of the goal of 2.0. So it's just been. Uh, it's been really nice uh, to to just be able to play the game. Um, I wanted to really do a, a bang out with content this weekend. Um, between my preview, the five things that need to improve. And I was trying to think of like one more thing because I knew this podcast would be Mass Effect themed. And I was like, what do I want to talk about? So I think I'm just going to wait and play the patient game, you know, play the long game. There's definitely more when it comes to Mass Effect uh, that we'll be talking about. So I want to make sure that uh, I don't get caught up in that game of like wanting to give you just a lot at once. I'm a big believer in obviously providing daily content, but making sure that it's quality and of value where even if this is a weekend, which should be all Mass Effect, that I'm going to drop that quality Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2021 review and and hopefully, you know, an audience will pick that up because I think it's important that we don't lose ourselves all in just one thing. A lot of a lot of creators attach themselves to one thing and it's, I don't think it's smart. I think it's one. It's, it's good to be attached to a genre maybe, but... One particular game, I don't know if that's like a, a wise move, but uh, I'm I'm really just thrilled with this game. I was talking to the community managers at Bioware, and they were asking me about bugs and stuff, so they're kind of like in tune on what's happening and uh, making sure that the game is doing as well as it can. Um, they were checking for some of the bugs I reported in my video specifically, um, and what's interesting is... I also noted one bug I experienced in my uh, stream was that uh, rather I didn't experience it in my stream. I experienced it off camera uh, on my Series X where a quest was not triggering and activating, which then going into my PS5 version for my stream, it was activating. So that is something that they're looking into on top of. I mentioned the audio bug. I mentioned that I was clipping through the wall in Novaria, and that was, like, really weird. I'd never seen that before. Um, so it's good that they're on top of it, but it is a little frustrating that it got it got injected anyway with some new bugs. Um, anything else to add? Um, it's just a good time. It's good to have a game that I can go to, play, cover, talk about, stream, and it is a main part of our channel, and it will do well. It's a really, really comforting feeling. Uh, especially because I love it. Uh, I love or I'm interested in most things I speak about here on the channel because that's like I would go crazy if I just talked about shit I didn't like. Uh, but I just cannot emphasize to all of you enough uh, how thrilling it is to be able to be like, yeah, I'm I'm not only an RPG guy, like I'm a Mass Effect and Dragon Age and just Bioware guy. Like this is the company that defined so many games that uh, I played growing up that I love to death. Like we're we're gonna do a Jade Empire. Uh, uh, RPG time machine soon because that was what the audience voted on. Uh, I'm just, I'm just loving what I'm doing. I really am. Uh, and we'll get to that a little bit talking about some content later on for now. 
we're gonna we're gonna move on to news because I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. It's hard to keep track at this time, you know. <laughs> All right. So next up is oop, I typed that in incorrectly. Uh, next up is Dark Alliance. So I said we were gonna get back into Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance a little bit, and this is in a different way. Um, so some news has landed. Uh, the $40 Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance is coming to Xbox Game Pass Day 1. Uh, so we're going to read the full write-up over on the Xbox News site and then get into it a little bit. I am thrilled to announce that Dark Alliance will be available on Xbox One, Xbox Series X slash S, as well as Windows PC, phones, and tablets via xCloud Gaming Beta with Xbox Game Pass on day one, June 22nd. This game will also support PC and console cross-play at launch. Gather your party, choose your adventurer, and get ready to set out an epic brawl through Icewind Dale on June 22nd with Xbox Game Pass. Forget character sheets and math for the night. Dark Alliance is a third-person action brawler that drops you and your friends into the unforgiving frozen hellscape of Icewind Dale to take on the iconic Dungeons & Dragons monsters and collect epic loot. You can venture out on your own, but with the addition of crossplay on PC and Xbox featuring up to four-player co-op, why wouldn't you? By the way, they are not doing couch co-op yet. They said they're going to do that later and that they kind of got a little carried away. Dark Alliance lets you choose from four iconic heroes, the Companions of the Hall, Dritz, Kati Bree, uh, Brunor, and Wolfgar. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, with over 40 or 50 different moves, special abilities, and team attacks. The combat is pick up and play, but difficult to master with emergent strategies and tactics, depending on the situation, skills, and monsters. Choose what's best for you. Rapid strikes, backstab executions, and a giant panther. Dritz is your guy. Acrobats, long-range bow and arrow warrior style. Catty Bree will suit you just fine. Whatever your play style, the companions have you covered, and it's a good thing they do. So, this is a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. Dark Alliance. Um, once again, coming day one to Xbox Game Pass for Xbox One Series X slash S and PC, as well as streaming to your phone. So everywhere, everywhere, which is awesome, by the way. I think this is a really wise move because not a lot of people are talking about this game. Uh, so to clarify, this is different from the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance I was talking about um, that I did do a re-review for, or that I did a re-review, I could talk did a review for this is called Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. And it's kind of interesting because Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is set. Baldur's Gate is in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So, uh, uh, yeah, Icewind Dale. That's the difference maker here. Um, this one, this one doesn't look to like my fire as much as, um, as much as, uh, the original Dark Alliance did on PS2, Xbox and GameCube. But, I'm going to give it a, a chance. And um, this is not the next Game Pass Day 1 announcement I expected from Xbox. Um, I'm I'm still a Scarlet Nexus guy. I really think they're going to do Scarlet Nexus. That game's getting no marketing. The demo's there on Xbox first. I don't know if there's progress carryover. But I can't help but look at that and think to myself, like, man, you know, th- th- this is another game... Outside of MLB The Show, and while MLB The Show is high quality, I think I can talk for all of us when I say MLB The Show isn't really your big get day one that that is something that excites core gamers. 
And that's no disrespect to Dark Alliance. It's no disrespect to Outriders. Outriders, one of my top five of the year still. I really liked Outriders. Um, but of course, Outriders came with some really big flaws and issues. MLB The Show, kind of out of that bunch. And then I'm not expecting much from Dark Alliance. Not that it's going to be bad, but it doesn't look like anything great. I'd like to see Xbox get something day one that's third party that is like a huge deal. I know the common link has been Battlefield. Um, I don't know where that rumor started from, um, but I hear that a lot. I see it a lot. And I feel like I sound ungrateful here. So let me just hit the pause button on where I was going and just say it's not that. I'm happy to play this. I'm happy to download this. Just like anything else that comes to Game Pass that I'm interested in, I will download it, give it a chance, play it, try it out. All that good stuff. They just added like Psychonauts, Final Fantasy X and X2. Like I'm hyped. Like they're adding good shit to it. Um, but I'd like to see them, you know, get get the big fish, right? Get a judgment maybe because um, they've been working with Sega. Get a uh, – let's see here. I mean they have their own big fish, right, with Halo Infinite and Starfield. Fill out the calendar a little bit more. So like – I would have thought Resident Evil Village would have been that big fish. That's what I was thinking for a little bit until the contract that I don't know if that ended up being real or fake, but it was still good food for thought. But until that contract leaked, that's when I started to change my tune on if Resident Evil Village would have been uh, a a successful Game Pass game. Um, Because what we're seeing now is Outriders was like a number two seller for its release month. Uh, MLB The Show was a top three seller for its release month. And that was on PlayStation. So these games are still selling incredibly well, even though Game Pass is a thing. You could argue with, I think, both those games, though, was the timing of their release was in a really dry period. But less so MLB The Show, more so Outriders. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, you know, this one is a smaller get. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is a $40 game. This isn't like a $60 game. Um, so there's a little less money saved there. So that's why I do anticipate a, another deal. Um, and what's interesting is this is June 22nd. And then my theory of Scarlet Nexus, that's June 25th. E3 is before both of those. Would be quite the uh, the month for Xbox if they said, hey, here's two games coming out this month as well. Kind of like what they did in April. Two games coming out this month. You don't got to buy them. Uh, I'm all about that. So that would change the conversation a little bit. But as it stands, Cool. A lot of people were like, I thought Matty would be all over this, making a video about it. Um, it's just that there wasn't – I don't like to talk about just one thing in my news, right? If you've noticed anything, I like to do like three, four topics, and I'll, that's why my, my subtitles are always like this, 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 and more. Like I like to just have a lot for you because time is one of the biggest luxuries. So I want to make sure that when you're spending time, I'm not milking out – like I, I, I guess, yeah, to hold myself accountable, I, I didn't really feel I was milking, but in hindsight, I think it was – where I would do these news videos that were like five minutes long. Um, and then I just take like eight different topics and split them up instead of making like one big Bethesda news video. I would just make like 15 and spread them all out. And it was good for the work cycle and it worked well and it built the channel and I was happy with it. Um, Cause what I used to do is I'd take one Friday and I'd go in from 11 to 11 and um, just work on all those videos for the week, render them all out, schedule them, make their thumbnails. And then I just peace out for the week. And in a way, I kind of miss that. I fucking hate YouTube's algorithm now uh, because they just force 10 plus minute videos and daily active uploads. 
I'd love it if I knew my channel could perform as well now as it would a week from now if I didn't upload. Yeah, I'd like definitely take my time more often. Um, not that I don't now, but just, of course, I mean this on like taking a day off from YouTube to work on the original project a little bit more. You know, we're, we're working on another uh, life and death. We're working on a dark age of Bethesda video because we passed that patron goal. We're going to be working on the Mass Effect stuff. Being able to take some time off from you know the the the, the grind of YouTube to to tinker with this content more um, to me that sounds really appealing and uh, YouTube doesn't really allow that so I do you know miss those days sometimes but it's just not realistic um, and I'm happy with more of my channels that I'm loving the content I'm doing um, so I'm not really complaining I'm more so just vocalizing that um, it's good things and bad things in all all aspects of life I suppose such as dark lines being brought on the game pass. You know? <laughs> uh, not much more to say about that though, but yeah, just know this is not the dark Alliance that I reviewed. It is a different one. Uh, and it does not look like it has that same spark to it. We'll see. I'm open to it. I am curious about it. All right. This next one's not news. Um, I wanted to have a little chat with the audience about uh, kind of now that we've, we've dove in and out of talks on content. Let me take a sip of water first. Ah, pardon me. That was a big gulp. I'm sorry if you heard that. Um, So I wanted to talk about the status of game previews. I put out a mini Twitter thread, and I wanted to bring some attention to it. So I was talking about uh, – here, let me, let me just go ahead. Actually, no, I don't need to read the Twitter thread. You can go look it up if you're curious. Um. So what I've noticed with game previews is they tend to nowadays be watching. So what happens is I'm seeing creators of all kinds going, I've seen three games this year that I can think of. I watched an hour of Ratchet and Clank. I just saw gameplay for Mass Effect. I have seen some new content for, um, what was it? Ratchet, Deathloop. That was the other one. And I think it's so unfortunate for consumers that that's what's happening now. Because now we're getting conversations about games based off what we've seen. You don't get to have the intimate, like, here's what I played. Here's how it felt. Here's what moments stuck out to me as a player. That has been cut off. And some of you may be listening and going, well, it's a pandemic. Like, not everyone's going to travel to the events. Yes, yeah, so press events have been closed down. Um, but there have been companies like Ubisoft, like Square Enix, Enix, whatever the fuck. I don't know. That have figured it out. So they do uh, low latency streams where I tested out Immortals Phoenix Rising. I tested out Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I tested out Watch Dogs Legion. I tested out Outriders. And I was able to enjoy all of these latency-free pretty much um, at home. And if they can figure it out, then I know EA could have. I know for a fact that Sony could have. I know Bethesda could have. But these companies are opting to give you less hands-on time. Why wouldn't they, right? Isn't that... No one's talking about it either because there are creators who are benefiting from it. Just saying, I saw gameplay. And I'm like, dude, imagine if you and I are chilling. 
you're playing a game I've never played before. I'm watching it on your couch. And then I go and make a video about what I saw for an hour. That sounds crazy, right? That's pretty much what's happening. Except it's worse. Because you have, let's say, Insomniac with Ratchet or Bethesda with Deathloop or even Mass Effect where they're like, here's a small, highly edited, absolutely perfected sliver of our game that has been posted for you, the people who are going to market our shit on how good this is. Like, I came out of, let me think. I'm trying to think of all my previews. Um... I've come, I've came out of, oh, Mafia was one I tested as well. I forgot about Mafia. Yep. I tested that as well, uh, here during the pandemic. Um, that one was different. That was a individual code was given to me downloaded and it was a local experience that I had, uh, that was limited. I don't think companies should be giving us less access. I, I, and, and I understand I'm happy for my fellow creators who were able to say like, you know, they get these opportunities, they get to connect with these companies. But it's so bad that now it is marketing. You could make a argument. I would disagree. You could make an argument that me playing the game and making a video, even if I didn't like it and I talk about it, is something where it's like, yeah, you're kind of marketing for the game. Because I'm still getting a lot of views on something that is pre-launch coverage. And it is a special access thing. So I could hear you out on that. I would disagree, but I could hear you out on that. I don't know if there's much room for an argument, though, that these previews where you watch something, hands-off stuff, I don't think that's anything else but marketing. Because any, I mean this with no disrespect, anyone could sit down and watch gameplay role and talk about what they saw. I, I think it takes skill to to play something, to be able to showcase it, and then find the right words to describe it. Um, I try to toe that line of not being heavily scripted so that there's room for just actual conversation and flow. And I think I do a good job, but I look at someone like Skill Up as a really strong example, like just a clear, you know, scripted, but like really good vocabulary, just seems to find the word for everything. Carrick's the same way, of course. You know, these are great reviewers. I do my process a little bit differently. I'm not saying my way is the highway. My way or the highway, rather. But that's really important. And especially in the preview space, just knowing is a game worth your attention. And really what I try to do is take the confirm or deny approach with these uh, previews when I get my hands on them. Is like, I'll read my feedback from my audience. What are you looking for from this game? What are people expecting? What are they hoping for? I can confirm it does this. I can deny, like, it does not do this. This is not happening here. Is this good? Is this bad? Getting into all of that. Just breaking it down in a pretty concise manner. Um, That not being there. I know we can brush it off and go, well, Mass Effect came out well. Um, We can look at, of course... Um, Ratchet and Clank, which which looks phenomenal. Deathloop, not getting a lot of buzz, but that looks phenomenal. Um, so I know there's less concern because the game that got a lot of previews, Cyberpunk, came out pretty busted. But at least there, you were able to lay your hands on it, play it, 
And I would still say I like Cyberpunk, right? Like, I'm not afraid to admit that. A lot of people are all of a sudden. I'm like, I don't give a fuck that it was super broken in the way where I'm not going to hide my opinion because I enjoyed the game a lot. I had a great time with Cyberpunk. But even there, I think you could still tell there was the DNA of a great video game. Um, maybe not the best of all time like people were looking for. I thought it was one of the be- better AAA RPGs, one of the best. Just from a, a, a comparison standpoint of the likes of Fallout 4 stuff in its league there, um, there, there wasn't really a steep bar to cross when you look at it um, for, like, 3D RPGs. You know, The Outer Worlds is really strong. I'd say it was uh, Outer Worlds I liked more than uh, Cyberpunk, but um, I digress. My point being is that, you know, I understand the, the argument that, you know, these hands-on can maybe not be that great because a lot of people really fucking gassed up Cyberpunk before launch. And I'm not, I know some people were like, you gassed it up. I'm like, I covered the fucking news, buddy. Like, there's a difference between talking about a game and being excited on my own and people who played it and were like, this is going to be the best shit of all time. It's a huge fucking difference there. And I get really tired of people trying to, like, cast blame. I don't know, the Cyberpunk situation is just toxic. So I kind of treat it as an outlier. But... I just wanted to highlight this for people. Pay attention to what you're listening to. Not because these creators should be distrusted. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. A lot of people do a great job. I just named a couple of people who I think do. Um, be careful what you listen to in the sense of, like, pay attention to the wording. Like, if someone says, I saw gameplay, I'd tab out. No offense to anyone. But I have no interest in hearing what you saw. Because you, right there, the consumer, can go ahead, download one of the trailers, freeze frame through it all, frame by frame see what's there and see just like anyone else on the internet could. I think it's a really ridiculous thing. Like if anyone ever invited me and said like, Maddie, you want to come check out Starfield, come watch some gameplay. I would say no, it would be hard to, cause I'm like, damn Starfield. Um, but if there's gameplay out there and they were going to release that gameplay, like they did with ratchet, then it's like, why? Like, what early? Like, what? I was able to record my video a day in advance. I'll just fucking do it the day of. You know, it's tough. It's tough. I get it because as a creator, like, yeah, you you want that opportunity because it drives traffic. But, um, I don't know. Even in a situation like Starfield, you know, yeah, you. you it's tough to say no, but like, what is the point? What are you gaining there? I saw something. So I'd probably just make a video like, here's what I think of what people saw. I don't know. Because I just, at that point, it's like, what's the conversation really? Are we really having one? I don't know. I wanted to put it on people's radars, making sure everyone's, you know, paying close attention. Last bit of news, we'll get into the patron questions. Wow, it's almost 3 a.m. This is wild. This is a wild time. I'm living my best life right now. Uh, In Exile, FPS RPG. Uh, I kind of wanted to cover this news because it's not news. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Uh, so this won't be long at all, actually. So IGN posted uh, In Exile Entertainment hints at FPS RPG for Xbox. Um, so in response to what should I play next uh, from the Xbox Twitter account, um, In Exile tweeted new FPS RPG. And so people are like, ooh, what's going on? Oh, my God. And a lot of new sites covered it because even though this has been knowledge for a while, no one's paying attention, I guess. Uh, so what I did was make sure I wasn't going insane. Um, and I found a tweet from Clobril, uh, which was January 6, 2021. 
And this tweet is of a job listing. In Exile is looking for an art director to work on their ambitious first-person AAA RPG running on Unreal Engine 5 to help the team transform that direction into a mind-blowing game visuals. Or into mind-blowing game visuals. Sorry. So, I guess the shooting part of things was new. First-person AAA RPG. So, I don't know. I assumed, like, shooting had to be there if it was first-person. But this has been around for a while. There's been rumors floating of a steampunk thing. So, I just want... I know a lot of people wanted me to talk about this, but... It's one of those awkward situations I sort of mentioned on Defining Duke about... um, when Jeff Grubb started to talk about, hey, Lucasfilm Games and uh, Xbox have a uh, a potential partnership ongoing. And I was the one who broke that story April 24th, I think it was. Uh, and Jeff, Jeff talked about it May the 4th. And I was like, I'm not interested in talking about news that isn't news. Um, I know there's like a window... Uh, like a three-day period maybe that you could allow that discussion to be open and get to it if you're late or whatever but especially in the case of me breaking it it's like i'm not gonna go back and fucking like oh you've all heard it now let me just say the same thing i said 10 days ago (laughs) like uh, i can't help when people aren't listening but in the case of this it's just like well we've talked about this it's hype it's great i'm looking forward to in exile's next project they killed it with wasteland 3 one of the best rpgs you can play go download if you're a game pass owner you will not regret it. it's online co-op um and i have no doubt in my mind they're gonna blow us away they they get choice and consequence more than probably anybody i'd say even more than larian larian does amazing work in world building and writing and just like tickling your brain with the most elegant words of all time uh but but just in exiles just like how can we break our game constantly with choices and to know they're gonna say like let's make a triple a kind of version of that that's gonna be fucking sweet i trust them so much with choice because they have brian fargo at the helm brian fargo loves reactions in his games so i believe they're absolutely gonna do that and i cannot wait to see it but once again what hasn't been said here so i don't see it say that with an ego either like yeah just New sites are late on this. They're really late on this, and it shows that not a lot of people are paying attention. I don't know. I can't help that, though. People should be held accountable, especially if they're working in this space. All right. That's all I got to say on that. Let's talk patron questions. So we got a decent amount this week. Pretty hyped about this. I know Felix Check is our first write-in. Here we are. Okay. Oh, what the hell? I guess there's a new update for uh, for Discord. And so, all right. I believe our, or no, was it Felix Check? No, it was not Felix Check. I apologize. It is Sean Mason who writes in starting off saying, Hitman, Returnal has overtaken Hitman for my game of the year. Just that. So just know that's where Sean Mason stands. Okay. Next, we've got Beanie J. Oh, Beanie J. Like Beanie EJ. I get it. Beanie J. 86. Aloha, Maddie, Carrick, and Dustin. Hopefully, you're all there. Sorry. I feel bad. I hope you all enjoy these solo shows. I, I try to make it work where, you know, even though the schedules get chaotic, that you still get an episode and it doesn't feel like it's throwaway. Like, I feel like I put a quality thing together. Long-time listener, new patron here with some Starfield slash Bethesda questions. Thank you. Uh, I, I Once again, to those of you who are, like, new patrons, we've had a lot of you. 
thank you so much. It's like crazy to to really think about how how much we've grown. Uh, there have been some conflicting news the past few days that makes me question both Starfield's release date and even its potential quality. For example, today, a seemingly legit piece of concept art leaked with which Juice had pointed out may be linked to Bethesda's webpage. This seems to be small, but a positive sign for a 2021 release to me. Conversely, Jason Schreier made some headlines by replying nope when asked if it would drop this year. Separately, Skullzy, another YouTuber you've worked with in the past. Oh my god, where'd all this gas just come from? did a short video discussing the growing number of departures from Bethesda Game Studios, which he argued this may be because Starfield is finishing up, making me nervous as departures can sometimes indicate troubled development, especially since some of them seem to be longer-term employees. Am I worried for nothing? Thanks, gents. Longer-term, yeah, that's always a worry. Uh, I always think that's a worry, because if I am cozy at a job for a while, it's either I'm leaving because I want to challenge myself creatively, but if I have a family, I probably don't want to... I probably want to find a new way to do that without uplifting everyone's life. If you have an established family. Uh, so that can be a little concerning. Bethesda hasn't been known for a toxic work culture or uh, crunch culture. It's one thing I really like about them. I think they do a good job treating their staff well. It's the reason they have such a high retention rate. Like in their company's history, they've only lost like 130 employees. That's really good. That's really, really, really good. Bethesda Game Studios, by the way. That's like over two decades, two plus decades. That is fucking amazing. 100 people. That's crazy. Cannot emphasize that enough. Um, so yeah, I, the worry of like long-standing employees leaving to me is always a little bit concerning with Bethesda Game Studios. But if they're leaving for new opportunities, then that's great. I think that's great. That means there's people who are creatively energized. Uh, Jason Schreier was just giving his opinion on it. He even said that himself. He was just like, yeah, just my thoughts on it. I know he knows probably more than most, uh, but I think all of us are aware that development is pretty tough right now. Um, but I think most aren't aware of how long this game's been in development for. I think it's going to come out this year. I really do. They're going to at least push for it, market it this way, and if they cannot release it, they will delay it. Um, but I think they're going to go for it, and you should expect to at least see it this year. That much is for sure. It's at least at that point ready enough. So thank you for writing in, Beanie. I was going to cover the Starfield stuff in this uh, podcast, but um, I honestly just felt like it's better fit in that video, and um, we would talk about the new Starfield stuff in the coming week in another video. Once Starfield solidifies itself and it has more news, we'll we'll throw it in here, of course. But right now with rumors and speculation and stuff, unless it's something major like the gameplay screenshots, we won't really dive into it too much. Pen and pants up next. What up, ham bros? I have a technical question for all of you. Oh, boy. It's me on my own with a tech question. Here we go. I want to record gameplay and audio of my friend and I playing a local co-op game while both of us are in the same room. What should my setup be? Or what should I be using? Okay, so I can actually do this. Uh, Elgato for gameplay capture. Um, A microphone. Like this one I'm using right here. Uh, This is a Blue Yeti. You can just set this up between both of you. Um, there's a mode on the back that you can use, which has different directional inputs. So there's one that like directly goes into the mic. There's one that's sort of like half. There's one that's totally like um, making a circumference. It's not the right word, but you know what I'm talking about. It's going around the microphone. So anyone from any angle is being picked up. Probably that mode would be best for you. Use that. Flip on Audacity. Do a, a sync of some kind, what I tend to do when I've recorded uh, Humanity's Worst Games. What I'll do is I will pause the game. I'll start the recording of my gameplay. I'll start the recording of my audio. 
and then I'll do an audio count. I'll go like three, two, one, and then I will say like pause button, and I'll unpause the game, and I'll try to click as loud as I can near the mic so you can hear that, so you can sync everything up with when the pause button, uh, when you unpause the game, now the uh, uh, that's uh, and you hear the pause button being hit. That's where the audio should be synced up for that moment. And then the rest is all synced and ready to go. So that's what I do every time. Um, and it works pretty well. So that's all you really need. If you want a camera um, that adds an extra element of editing there, because then that's one more thing you have to sync up. I think cameras add something to it because, once again, anyone can kind of sit there and play a game and yell behind a microphone. But if you're on camera, that adds a little something, a little energy, facial expressions, personality. You know it, Drill. That's why we're always on camera. It's really important. But it's up to you and your comfort level and uh, how much you want to go into it on. Bonus question from Pen and Pant. Are any of you Vitaful Joe fans? I recently bought the first two games on PS2 after coming across an old PlayStation demo disc that had Vitaful Joe 2 included. I really want Capcom to bring my man Joe back. Never played it, so I apologize. Can't say much on it. I looked into it at one point in time to add to the collection, but didn't feel like the timing was right because I wouldn't have played it anyway. All right. Atmosphere 327's up next. Hey, hey, ham fam. Love the show ever since finding it about two years ago. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Appreciate you. Got a question mostly for Maddie today. Ooh, as a fellow fan of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, what are your thoughts on the re-release not having online co-op built in? I saw the other day that a PC port is supposed to be in the work for later this year, which will support online through Steam. Do you think they'll update console versions with this feature in the future? Or could there be some sort of programming limitations preventing them from doing so? Thanks. Um, so what I'm guessing with you saying that is that maybe they wanted to get this out before Dark Alliance with the Game Pass release where they wanted to get a player base there. It's the only thing I can think of. The reason I say that is this seems like you want, like no one was expecting this, demanding this. This could have released in August if that's when things were ready. I don't, I don't think the game would have done better now versus then. So unless they had to get it, I had to be it. Uh, because, yeah, I thought that was a really stupid omission, as I said earlier. Um, but maybe they do that. I think if they're doing it for PC, it might be because PC couch co-op is not like a really common thing. Um, but it also depends how much it costs them to update it, certify it. So I'm going to hope so. I don't want to put my bet on it, but I'm going to hope so. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to do that. I uh, I think this game needs it big time. I think it needs more trophies, more achievements. Uh, they delayed their... That's the thing. This this was kind of weird. They they Now that I think about it, they announced the game, right? They're like, it's coming out on PS4, Xbox, the next-gen consoles, PC, coming out on Switch. And then they delayed the Switch version out of nowhere. They were like, we had an unforeseen issue. I'm like, why the fuck... What a chaotic announcement. It had to be because of Dark Alliance, like the the new one. Had to be. It's my only guess. Chris Cozy's up next. Hey, Ham Nation. I like that we got all these different ham things, like ham bros, ham bones, ham nation. It's just wild. It's been a while, but I randomly had a bone to pick with how bad Dead Rising 4 was. Oh, right. The first three games were a lot of fun, but 4 was a hot, buggy piece of garbage with the real ending chopped off and resold this DLC. That still sucked. I would love a Dead Rising 5 that redeems the series, though. Do you guys have any franchises that dropped the ball recently that you want to see a new game from, aside from the more obvious ones like Mass Effect? This didn't drop the ball, 
for some fans it did uh but i think uh mass effect um or sorry i was reading mass effect so that's why i said dead space another space thing uh would definitely be the one i'd pick Dead Space has been dormant for too long. Dead Space 2 is probably, like, my favorite horror game of all time. I picked it for a back compat uh, pick of the week for uh, Defining Duke. I just really, really like Dead Space. I think it's it's combat, it's HUD, it's top tier. Uh, just the ability to, like, pick your enemy apart with the plasma cutter, all the different tools. You get stasis and kinesis and all this stuff. You can just do some wild shit. And then, like, three is, let's do co-op and weapon upgrades and go crazy with it. A little less scary, but I still really, 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 really liked it. But I understand why for some people it was like a step away from what they liked about it. And I'd love to see them go back and try again and get it right and like reboot it. Maybe remaster collection. I don't know. I would be all over that though. A remaster trilogy of that. <sighs> Dead Space. Dead Space a Legendary Edition. Dragon Age Legendary Edition. Mwah. That too. But here's the thing. Dragon Age has less issues in my opinion. Like... Inquisition would be the one that I would change the most. I made a whole video about this, so I feel like I'm, I'm I'm repeating myself, but I'm going off track. That's what I'd like personally, Chris. Jay Lopez, what's going on? Hey, Ham Squad. My question today has to do with your careers as gamers and reviewers. Just curious, what do you guys think about or tell yourself when you're having a rough day at the job? Any mantras or perspectives that keep you keep your uh, mind keep you in mind on a hard day to keep you from quitting? Second question, favorite candy. Personally, mine is Sour Patch Watermelon. Hands down to the best. Ooh. Mine, I'm going to quickly answer that, M&M's. Uh, pretzel M&M's. Fucking bomb. Cold. Frozen. Normal. Whatever. Delicious. Put them in ice cream. I don't care. Fucking delicious. Absolutely love them. Not a big candy guy either. So, for me, I always need something savory. Love salts. So, yeah. That'd be my pick. If I'm having a rough day at the job, what do I tell myself? Um couple things <laughs> i look at this picture of my grandma i uh i had this whole setup with my grandma over here we have a, a cross with some of her ashes in it uh her tea thing here i have a mug that says at uh mimi the answer is always yes um i think about oh this is, this is it took me it took me over an hour to get to this point didn't it so i'm a little proud of myself I got to lean back, pick up the mic. This is just, I need to get comfortable. I think about a number of things. Number one, I think of you listening. I think of the audience and I see way too often how, um, how often that, um, I'm able to turn your day around. Not always. I don't think that's always the case and I don't want to be presumptuous and think that's something that's happening a lot, but knowing that I am unknowingly turning days around through my work makes me think that my energy and my excitement for games is worth something because I'm good at other things, but I have those mini panics where I'm like, dude, if YouTube said we're not doing this anymore or gaming stopped, I know those all sound far-fetched, but I'd just be like, wow, what what do I do? Like, this is what I love. This is where my heart is. I don't want to go work for, like, a fucking company and, like, schmooze and PR and shit. So it's just a the love for you, the audience who has given me everything. Everything. And uh, 
you know, I brought up my grandma because I looked at her and um, I um, I think of how proud my family is. I think of that a lot uh, just because, you know, I, uh, I know my grandma before she went, you know, she was, she never got to see my studio space, but she was really proud of everything I built, man. And, um, this is my treasure, not persona five treasure palace treasure kind of thing. But, uh, I, I value what I do on an intimate level that you just can't match you as in like compared to other creators, I've just been through so much with this job and I think of my mom, how often she tells me she's proud of me and my dad giving me hugs, my brother, my grandma, especially I'd come home from PAX report to her. She'd be like, give me the report. And I'd go over her house and I'd sit down and tell her about, uh, the games I tested, even if she had no idea what the fuck Wasteland 3 was when I tested that. That was the last PAX um, I went to. I was able to tell her about that. Um, SpongeBob tested out. Um, Destroy All Humans. Tell her about the games I collected. And she's just like, I'm so proud of you. You know, you did this all on your own, man. And It's really hard to talk about. You know, just because she had such an impact on me, man. And um, my girlfriend as well. I just think of the people who are proud of me. Where it's like, I may not be proud of myself at times, but, you know, the, the, these people are. My audience is. And it's sometimes hard to get that through text on screen. It's sometimes hard to feel that way when you like bust your ass and you feel like your voice gets swamped and you know, like I don't want to turn to that person who's like, I'm outspoken, but I'm not like, so like my brand is not outspoken. You know, it's like, I just am an outspoken person. Like I will speak my mind. Um, but just to, I kind of lost my train of thought there a little bit. So I apologize if I'm not picking up the original thought. Um, just knowing that, what I do matters means a lot to me. And so I try to harness that energy each and every day. It's why I'm here. It's three fourteen in the morning. It's why I'm here doing this now. Some people call it workaholic and to an extent it is. And I admit it is, and I've been working on it, but I don't know if there's one other thing in the world I would want to be doing at three fourteen in the morning than this show. Um, it's not because anyone's putting a gun to my head and telling me to go do it. It's like, I, I give a fuck. And it's because my audience shows they care. Like, it doesn't feel like an act. Oh, what I was saying earlier. Uh, it's hard to sometimes get that feeling through text on screen. One thing that really kept me afloat were those kind of, um, you know, those meetups at, like, conventions and stuff where someone could be like, dude, you got me through a tough time just laying a just seeing a face there seeing someone who is like really excited not just like hey what's up but like oh my god it's you and hearing that it's like yeah it's me dude that's youtube guy what like you know come on like i'm just a normal guy um those are really big pick-me-ups but yeah sorry if i got too deep on that it's just um 
I love what I do. I think more than a lot of people realize, even those close to me, because I'll complain sometimes like, fuck, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. But it's this like gratifying, like Carrick would probably make a sex joke here. It's this gratifying fatigue at times. Like tomorrow I'll wake up. I know I'll be a little tired from this, but it's worth it. I don't know what else to say. Sean Mason's up next. Hey, sexy boys. On Monday, before the start of my first period class, my students were discussing where they would like to travel to. One of them brought up wanting to travel to Washington State. Upon hearing this, another student was vehement that there was no such state named Washington. It was at this time everyone in the room turned and stared at her with a look of, are you fucking kidding me, on their faces. So my question is, what is something you said that has garnered a similar reaction best, Sean M? Sean, I love these. Please, like, obviously write in with whatever you want, but please keep these up. It it brings me back to high school a little bit because <laughs> I kind of like, I look back on high school fondly, right? You know, my, my brain is filtered out all of the fucking garbage that occurred. So I look back on high school fondly and just seeing write-ups like this, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, something I've said that has turned heads like that. I'm sure that that has happened on many occasions. I can think of moments that people have been looking at me when stupid shit was going down. Like me coming, I skipped history class for two weeks and me coming in. Please stop Siri. Give it a rest. What is that shit? (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so, um, I like skipped history class for two fucking weeks straight. And I walked in and my teacher literally was like, yo, Matt, um, not to put you on the spot. He was nice about it. He's like, not to put you on the spot, but, uh, where were you? And, you know, class chuckled. I'm like, sorry. And he's like, yeah, but that's not where you were. Like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just didn't, you know, show up. Like I just said it to him straight. Cause that's kind of the person I've always been, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, he was just like, we'll talk after class. It was that awkward moment of, wow, I'm such a fucking idiot. Uh, and I responded from there and I talked to my English teacher as well. And they really kind of lit the fire under my ass, which made me into a better student, but uh, leading into college. But as for a time, I've said something so mind boggling dumb. I think I've turned my heads on my, I think I've turned heads on my opinions on pizza hut. I like the 20 buck box a lot. And my friends are like, what the fuck did you just say? I, there's gotta be something I've legitimately said that is dumb. I do say dumb things. Like, I'm not immune to it. Am I protecting myself this much? I don't know a time I've said something that's fucking stupid. There's got to be something, Matt. Dig deep here. Hmm. Certainly, I've had almost a million heads turned to the near-perfect thing, but uh, I digress. It's not really a moment in a room. I try to be socially aware. So, I don't... Hmm. That's all I got for you. I skipped history class. All right. Top Simp Gimp. Bonjour, Maddie, Carrick, and Dustin. I've become a patron after listening for years, spanning all the way back to the glorious Fallout 4 reveal days. I remember the feeling of that orgasmic excitement as you, Maddie. Good times. It was indeed. And thank you for joining. Appreciate having you on board. I recently bought the uh, uh, NES. I recently brought the SNES back into rotation. And I was wondering if any of you guys played Starwing. Looks like a big, heavy bag of shit, but still fun and challenging. Also, if you punch yourself in the face and you cry, are you weak or are you strong? Keep up the great work. Cheers. 
I hate to admit this, but I'm going to have more of a conversation about your second part than your first part. Um, I was never an NES or SNES owner. I actually did. Ha- I should say I had an NES for some time. My uh, dad's coworker gave me his and I fixed it up and it started working and then it stopped working. So I was like, oh, I'll buy my own. Never happened. SNES, I always dreamed of having because of Turtles in Time. Uh, but then I bought the whole fucking arcade cabinet. So, hey, I'm winning. But that's the only game I can think of that I had an attachment to. Uh, Chrono Trigger, maybe. I've never played that in full. So uh, I have that on my DS, though. And that's kind of like the definitive way to play it. So I don't have anything to say on Starwing. I can look this up, though. Because you said it's a heavy bag of shit. Hey, we got a new patron while we were talking at 3 in the morning. That's kind of crazy. We're at... We're, we're about 30-something bucks away. That's awesome. Oh, oh, Star Fox? Yes, I have played this then. I have played this. Apologies. Uh, I, I, I have played this through the Nintendo Online thing. And uh, I thought it I thought it not only looked like a big, heavy bag of shit, but it played like one too. But that's just me. Uh, as for punching myself in the face and if I'm crying, am I weak or strong? I think it's only strong, right? You were strong enough to make yourself cry. Not only that, you were emotionally strong enough to hit yourself hard enough to cry. Because usually it's like if I get hit or if something hurts, I don't start to cry. I usually go like, ow, oh, fuck. Like I get angry. Like I get pissed at myself. I don't know if I'd start crying. If someone hit me though hard enough, maybe. Holzer 19 is our next writing. Got a bit of a chicken or the egg question here. What came first? Did people start stop caring about couch co-op or did developers decide it wasn't worth the money to make? The answer could obviously be the former, but most people I talk to say they miss the good old days of local multiplayer. Also, Maddie, are the stars aligning for a Tortorella return for NYC? Holzer, I fucking pray not. I pray not. Sports talk for those who don't care. I pray Tortorella is not coming back to New York. I don't think they'll do it. I, I, I refuse to believe they will. As for this, I think it's developers decided it wasn't worth it because there's more money to be made just making online spaces, microtransactions, that type of stuff. You don't make more money by getting more people in a room. There's games that play great when more people are in the room, like Smash Bros. That's awesome, but there's an online nature to it. You could do couch co-op and online co-op. That's the best you'll get, though. Although, I think there's a game moving out I think that does couch co-op only, no online co-op. I just think it's weird nowadays. I, I just, especially in a post-pandemic world, we're currently in the pandemic, but when we're in a post-pandemic world, like people are going to say, like, why wouldn't you want both? So, King Kellogg's up next. Subham fam, I don't know if you like this nickname, but please do give, please if you do, uh, but if you do, please give it a try. That's, that's fine. We, we like anything. As long as you're not just saying like a weird random insult, we don't care. It's your boy, King Kallik, and I just have two relatively short questions to ask. All right, sounds good. Firstly, if you guys have played through all the classes from SWOTOR, what was your favorite class to play through based on personal criteria? And secondly, this is a more broad question, by the way, what is your top gaming moment of the last decade where you've played a game and gone, holy fucking shit, this is the best thing I've ever played I've slash seen in my life? Uh, thanks for answering my questions. I bid you all have the most fantabulous Sunday with simple pleasures and platitudes, keeping you in a soulful stupor with the grandiloquence. Oh, fuck. This is another word I can't read. Of the Ham Radio podcast, sparkling through your proud grins and sprightly hearts. 
as you see your arduous labor pay off with each of you getting the love and recognition you deserve. P.S. Ed Mukbar, uh, Ed Mubarak. Sorry. Sorry. Did I say that right? I, I don't want to be culturally insensitive. I'm Muslim, so we just celebrate our religious holiday. Hi, Maddie from the future here. So I wanted to come back to this part here after a night's rest and make sure I fixed my pronunciation and say Eid Mubarak to anyone in our audience who is celebrating. Sorry again for completely butchering how I said it originally. Class that I liked most for SWOTOR. Um, so favorite class for SWOTOR... I'm going to say... The oh, I'm trying to think of the name right now. That's a trooper. Uh, Imperial spy. Is that the right one? Imperial agent. You know what I'm talking about. That one just had a really interesting story. Good vibe to it. Dark, well written. Liked it a lot. Um, I don't really have a particular class when it comes to gameplay because I don't play like PvP and all that shit. It's just a PVE game to me. So that would be mine. As for my holy fucking shit, this is the best thing I've ever played slash seen. Um, ending of Persona 5 Royal. The whole third semester and ending of that game was like a, this is one of the greatest things I will ever play in my lifetime. Like, it'll never be wiped away. It was probably the one of the few times I felt so certain. I was like, this is up there with like a KOTOR kind of love. Maybe I won't play it as often because it's not that digestible 20, 30-hour thing. It's a full dedication to, like, 100-plus hours of content. But it is the most memorable game I played last generation for sure. And it will be one of the most memorable games I play for a long time. And it will influence my work. Big D-Man's up next. We have uh, three questions left. Hello, boys. I have two questions. One, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? I'm going to say 2 million. If you're just 2 million, like, that, that, I think that's fair. Second, do you think as technology improves, will we ever get an Elder Scrolls one day that's all of Tamriel, like Daggerfall, but with modern graphics and not full of, uh, full, not empty spaces everywhere? And they can, uh, can they just keep updating it more, adding, uh, adding more land and even continents like ESO? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I actually had this conversation on, as always which this will be live around the same. Yeah, it'll be live the same week. So feel free to check that out. Um, on the, as always podcast, we were talking about elder scroll six and I was saying like Todd Howard said they're waiting for technology, but I think it's in like a grand war, grand battle kind of way. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a situation, although it would be cool. Like ESO where they're just like, let's do all of Tamriel. That'd be sick though. But I'm sure, yeah, with procedural generation as it improves and as you can do stuff like with Unreal Engine 5 where they're allowing you to just, like, take an object like this game case and just, like, scan it in and it's now an object in the game and I don't have to model it. I can just place it. Um, I think really what it is is about the programming hurdles that have to be taken into account. That's just tough to imagine, though. All right. Uh, Last question here. Bearded Panda writes in, uh, felicitations and congratulations, Marty, Carrot, and Justin. You've all finally broke me. I became a patron of Last Stand Media so I can have more podcasts to listen to at work as I drove my truck to and fro. That's a good investment, by the way. If you are, like, constantly driving and stuff, you know, I, I would love for you to sign up for my Patreon as well. But check out Last Stand Media because, I mean, between Defining Duke, uh, uh, Secret Symbols, and, of course, um, Knockback, there's just a lot of shit that you can listen to for a buck 
Here's my question. What is something that took you longer than you'd like to admit to learn was real or fake? For me, it was narwhals. It wasn't until 23 that my wife found out and corrected my incorrect belief that narwhals were fantasy creatures due to the fact that the only time I heard of narwhals was in the movie Elf when Buddy was in the North Pole saying goodbye to all his friends who were helper elves and snowmen and shit. I took a large L that day. Hmm. Oh, man. Something that took me way too long in life to learn. I have a YouTube one. I'll think of a normal life one, but I have a YouTube one. So there's this app called TubeBuddy that pretty much everyone uses. It's a third-party app that can, like, analyze your keyword skills, do your SEO rankings and all that stuff. There is a copy tags thing. So part of what helps get your video searched in the rankings is your tags, right? Like, you know, Mr. Maddie plays review. Uh, Mass Effect, Mass Effect review, Mass Effect gameplay, you know, that type of stuff. Keywords, people, things people are searching. I did not know that there is just a button you click that copies fucking all of them. And then you can just paste them. So every video, I wrote them all out for years. And I'm talking about recurrent topics, right? Like if I'm talking about Starfield, I might add a different one here or there. But most of them are going to be the same. And I'd fucking write them all out. It would take minutes and minutes. I've lost hours of my life doing this in total. So that one for sure. Other thing is I could not believe that tossing some water or a little milk in scrambled eggs makes all the fucking difference in the world. Huge difference. I'm in the mood for eggs right now. I would love to go make some eggs. Um, Those are the best ones I got right now. Like things that just... Wow, I should have known that. Yeah, that's that's what I've got for y'all. So, that does it for episode 303 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Hour and a half. Fuck. It's 3.30. I hope you all understand. I'm just going to wrap this one up and go to bed. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed. Hope you appreciated this episode. I wanted to make sure I provide for you. Regardless of the situation, you know, you all provide for me so much. So, it's my pleasure to to provide a show for you. Uh, with that, I'll talk with all of you very soon uh, in future videos and more podcast episodes, all that good stuff. All right. Take good care of yourselves. I'll talk with you soon. Stay sexy. Stay active. I love you all. Peace.